I'm Frederick Gerten, and I'm the filmmaker. And I'm Leilani Farha, and I'm the advocate. And you are the advocate in the bunker in Ottawa, Canada. That's still like, here. That's still you. Nobody digged you up yet, you know, and the, the borders <laughs> are still closed. <laughs> <laughs> it's right. No one has picked me up and transported me anywhere. Still here. Yeah. Oh, I'm trying to go out and, and work on a new film, but I, it's... It's not that easy to get to cross borders still, it's but I, I hope it will happen soon. So there was a big story out in Germany. The the biggest housing comp corporation, Vonavia, who's bought they bought all the Blackstone apartments in Sweden and many other countries. They are, they want to merge with Deutsche Wohnung and they're going to create like a humongous, very big housing company. How do you see that? Mega landlord. Yeah. Monopoly, one might say. I think they will end up owning 500,000 units in Germany, but elsewhere as well, including in Sweden. Mm. Uh, I think it's uh, very interesting. I think it's a bit scary for the tenants. Um, mega landlords never come through, let's say. Uh, but it's interesting because I think you will have read, Frederick, that they have said that they will allow Berlin to purchase 20,000 units for a huge sum, more than a billion dollars, two billion maybe, uh, so that Berlin can retain its stock of public housing. And they said that they will not raise rents above the rate of inflation until 2026. Now, we know this comes about because of the tenant activism, right? Yeah. I mean, the Berlin activism is one of the strongest in Europe, and they are now a factor on the ground that nobody can look around. But it would be interesting to see if how the activists are reacting on this merging and this offer. Exactly. And, you know, I just found out moments ago that the city of Berlin was part of the press announcement of this merger. So they have been part of the deal making. So it will be interesting to learn. My thing is, I wish tenants had the right to weigh in on who buys their buildings. That's that's interesting. I, so let the, let the tenants be a part of this. Uh, we have happy news here in Malmo. Which is? Uh, we have a billionaire. Oh. Our friends at Oatly, they went public in the US this last week. And now the CEO, Tony Peterson, can finally buy his first yacht. He's now worth $150 million. Isn't that great? Amazing. Fantastic. And Blackstone. And Blackstone, who invested in... In Oatly, they put $200 million. Their investment after one year is now five times higher. Bravo, Blackstone! Go, go, go. Now you can change the world. Now you can do a lot of good things for the vegans and for the climate and so on. Or not. Or not. Or not. And I mean, your friend, uh, Oprah Winfrey, and some other famous people put their names into this IPO. Yeah. So they have also been awarded like five times their investment in mm -hmm. a, just mm -hmm. putting their names. It's almost a little bit corrupt, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. They must know that just by lending their name, they and everyone associated with them will make a whole lot of money. What do we think about that? 
Mm. Not so good. I'm I'm particularly upset with Oprah Winfrey because she has really in the past supported the rights of African Americans in the US. And we know that Blackstone has really undermined those rights. And so I don't know, did anyone talk to her about getting in bed with Blackstone and what that means for the people she's been fighting for? Talking about Blackstone and you know, the CEO of Blackstone, Stephen Stephen A. Schwartzman, he has He's also a big Francophile, like us, oh. you know. Oh. He loves France. Ah, and, and he has from the president, he's a commandeur art et des lettres, which is like a, the second finest medal you can get in France from the president. He's, and he's also a Legion d'honneur, his honorary legion, you know. Wow. That's a cool thing, isn't it? So now we, we, we have here... On us in the podcast, our friend Marc Uri, normally he's from Lyon, but today he's from Villeurbanne, which is just outside uh, Lyon. Marc, welcome to, to Pushback Talks. Hi, thank you. So what do you say about the head of Schwarzman getting medals from your president? Is that, are you so much in love with that man? Uh, I would say uh, decoration is usually dedicated uh, to Christmas trees, so perhaps it's close to a tr Christmas tree. And uh, we are not fond of medals. And uh, when you see some, some people who are refusing medals in France, say when you have the list of people who received it and you see the list of people who refuse it, uh, perhaps you feel closer to people who refuse it. Okay, ah. that's fine. Uh, just to tell you who is Mark, because I, when I was researching PUSH, I was looking out, talking to people in many countries, so I was also talking to Mark, because you are, were a leading housing activist in France, uh, I mean, the man of the housing activism, and uh, also when PUSH then was premiered in France, uh, you invited PUSH to play at a big conference in Lyon, an international housing conference, and uh, I was there, Leilani was there, Saskia Sassen was there, and now you just told us you have a new job, so you're now working for a city, the city of Villeurbanne, and you're in the cabinet, you're a, a counselor, consigliere. In Italian, we say consigliere, you know, but I'm, that's like maybe <laughs> yes, too, ma too yes. mafioso, but yes, it's still. Yes, we are, we are not <laughs> far from Italy, so we are close <laughs> to mafia system. No, it's, it's, it's challenging sometimes to move from NGO and claiming for changes and to challenge yourself, saying, okay, you were challenging cities, now you have to do what you are pleading for. So now I uh, urge myself to do what I was uh, thinking was right before. So it's fun and it's uh, the mayor is the former CEO of uh, Housing Association, very involved at an international stage. So we are still good friends trying to do our best and we will be happy to be fired if we don't success. <laughs> <laughs> so what? So what is the challenge for you that you have in your town? It's a, Villeurbanne is a city of 150,000 people and it's, it's a young and quite poor city, I understand? Yes. It, Yes, it's quite young and quite poor, and uh, but still close to the big cities uh, is growing very fast. So we have uh, the land price that is rising very fast. We have more and more uh, people who are waiting for social housing and uh, more and more eviction, homeless people. So um, we need to... to calm down prices, we need to produce even more social housing, we need to produce more uh, social mix, 
more services to homeless people, being more inclusive, but also with handicap, gender issues, and so on. So we have to use this uh, small place as a territory uh, to invent a new world. That's cool. And that can also be inspirational to other cities in France, I'm, sh- I'm sure. Hopefully, and, 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 and we don't want to pretend too much. I think we, we just have to do our best and we'll see afterwards if it can be inspirational. That's cool. Leilani, one of your last missions as a special rapporteur, as a UN special rapporteur, you actually went to France. Uh, so you've been digging into France a bit. So what is what is special with France in the in the world of housing? Because most of us just love to go to to Paris or to the Riviera and drink rosé or or even better stuff. Yeah. Those things are special about <laughs> France. Let's face it. And I have to say, every meeting I went to, I was greeted with honestly the best croissant. There's no doubt about it. No doubt. <laughs> Best housing could be even better. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. But what's really special about France, if we have to be serious, is that unlike... That's not my specialty, be serious. No, no, it's not, Frederick. But I'll, I'll try, okay? No, really, what's special about France, compared to almost every other country in the world, is that they have recognized the right to housing in law. And not just the right to shelter, to go to an emergency shelter, but the right to housing. So when Mark said there are a lot of people waiting uh, for social housing, they're waiting for social housing by right. By right, It's not just like, oh, they're on a waiting list, just generally. They have the right to housing, but they're waiting. And so I think it's pretty interesting. I don't know how you're going to deal with that, Mark. I, I will, I'm, I'm in, you know, a city of about, what, 150,000 people, it's a perfect testing ground for some innovation. Because, I mean, what, what I understand from, from, from Paris, for example, that there is a lot of social housing houses in town and the city owns a lot of them, but still there is not enough. So it's like it's, you, have, you, can, you can actually list yourself for a house, you can call and say, I need a home. But then you, you still don't get it because there, it doesn't really... So the law is not really delivering, is it? To, uh, to be very simple, we had an incredibly improvement of uh, living condition from the Second World War. And uh, during the late 90s, uh, improvement stops. So it's basically... And then we've tried to find new ways. We had a lot of social housing because we had to rebuild the country after the Second World War and after the colonization wars and so on. And in the late 90s, uh, we had new slums, new people outside and so on. And we thought, and I was part of the people who thought, if we produce new rights and clear rights, we will have new solutions. If you produce a right, if you create a right to school, the school will be created. That was our hope. And actually, it works somehow, but not as much as we expected. So you have a right to housing. It means the state is accountable. And when the state is unable to offer you a provision, uh, the state has to pay you to to compensate because your um, rights are breached. So uh, there is more and more pressure and the state is more and more choosing who is entitled to get its rights. So now I think we, it, it was good to have um, 
uh, justiciable right to housing, but now it's not sufficient. We have to uh, determine how we also face the market because with 25% of social housing, it's not even enough because on the private market, prices are too high. And with 25% social housing, we are not able to um, fulfill rights. So it's it's not enough to have a formal right. And now we also need to have clear position towards the market. Interesting. I wonder how much is the stress in France related to what's happening in the market? Is it that there are people buying up more than one place and leaving it empty? Is it Airbnb? Is it is it uh, corporate ownership raising rents? What's the what role is the market playing? So it's very divided, and I think it's close to other European countries, at least Western European countries, where um, most of small cities are shrinking, and few big cities already uh, rising. So on these big cities, you have both uh, concentration of the wealth. So there are, as you said about Germany, you have companies that are buying more and more, and as it's more and more expensive, only those who already have can buy more. So the more you have, the more you can have. So it's a sort of a anti-distributive system where the poor are paying for the rich more and more. And this is more and more the case. Uh, and as uh, you said before, France is a good place to drink rosé and so on. And so you had formerly already a lot of secondary homes, so a lot of empty homes uh, dedicated to tourism far before Airbnb. And Airbnb is just um, stabilizing this phenomenon and uh, make it uh, prominent. But since the um, coronavirus crisis, some of the Airbnb dwellings were um, moving back on the ordinary market, but still the ordinary market is very influenced by this uh, touristic stuff in big cities. We have, a, I live in a big city, it's one million and a half people, but um, there's, there's a city for city breaks, you know, so many people are coming and we are very dependent in France from tourism. So when the whole economy is dedicated to tourism, then the housing sector is only a mean. And if people don't have enough space to house themselves and have to move elsewhere, uh, it's, it's not important because uh, the main thing is that tourism economy still works. So when you are a mayor, for example, you are um, under pressure of this economy because it provides jobs and so on. And we don't have so many jobs left in France. So tourism brings jobs. So you don't care if you have more hotels and Airbnbs than proper dwellings. So I think it's it, it's an issue. It's our whole economy is based on the fact that we are losing homes uh, instead of um, uh, tourism. What, what about the, I mean, the Blackstones, the, the hedge funds, the private equity? Is that playing a big role also in France, like in many other countries? No, they, they are, we, we are waiting for them, uh, frightening. Uh, we, we are shaking. Uh, but up to now, they're not here. Perhaps France was a bit overestimated market, and we were not the first target. They will come here because it's a never-ending process. So 
at the point that we come here, up to now, it's not the case. And um, concentration is uh, more uh, linked to insurances, big corporates, and so on, still more um, uh, invisible than uh, hedge funds. So it, we have a lot of uh, uh, French corporates that are, that, that are investing in uh, on housing. Right. I mean, it's a, it's probably a good thing, Mark, because then you're a little bit more prepared because you can see from other countries what is happening. Because as you say, Blackstones and other private equity people, they're looking for undervaluated assets. So they obviously think the price is a bit too high right now in France, but maybe the the COVID crisis can help them to get in. Exactly, exactly. They were they were born with the former crisis, and they, they could come with this one. That that's why also I was impatient to show your movie in France, also to to contribute to be prepared to that. But I think our regulation we have no anti-monopoly regulation, um, so antitrust regulation. So I think uh, there is something very new in our cultural, uh, political framework, saying, okay, there is a need for a maximum. And this is uh, very new, maximum income, maximum wealth, uh, uh, maximum consultation. So I think this is something new we have to bring in without being Bolshevists and saying, okay, it's not because we think there is a maximum issue that we want, I don't know, a, a proletariat dictatorship or, or something like that. So I think we need to bring new paradigms and uh, to not to be afraid of a new radicality that is still peaceful and want to save a, no, society peace and not, a, it, it's, it's not a war issue. It's, it's something that create peace. And that is something new to be lighting to us. I like that a lot. Yeah, I like that. And I'm playing around with those ideas myself, Mark. I'm trying to write some human rights directives on financialization. And that's, I think, a really interesting way to go to just say, we want good and happy societies. And that doesn't always happen when you have one big company owning too much or making too much profits, and that we need to equalize things a little bit. Um, or at least allow for money to flow, genuinely flow back into, let's say, housing or whatever. But I, I, I think that's the future, personally. And also let the money stay in the local community. I mean, this is, when, when you have uh, what we see in many countries, where the, also here in Sweden, when the money is coming from you know, investors who are from around the world, we don't know even where they live. The prices go up here, but all the profits just leave the country. So there's nothing going back to the local community, which is, of course, is making us all poorer. Yes, and as I come from a very political and moral uh, background, I think it's not a moral or political issue, but more a question of sustainability of communities. And we can't all work for one person and all uh, and give all our wages to one person through high rents. And I think the role of politicians now is just to balance things. And it's not very radical to say, we just want to balance things and that your work leads to your wealth. And just something as simple as that. It does sound reasonable. 
I think of France as a place where the law has been used to try to keep things stable or equitable. And I don't know, do you have good tenant laws that can be used to keep these big actors out? I mean, that's what they're fighting for in Berlin, right? Is for better tenant protections. But do you already have those or do you need to fight for those too? Uh, I think we have protections for tenants and we have uh, um, statutory laws that are protecting tenants. We have now uh, rent regulation laws that also limit profits. We have many urban rules that are really uh, that allow municipalities to be uh, influent on real estate. Uh, if they want to build, they have to be very kind with us. So, so we are still able to to deal because we have a lot of legal tools and uh, I don't know uh, quality norms and so on. So, so we, have, we have a lot of rules we can play with. So, we we the danger is when they have not enough interest the the real estate, uh, they stop producing. And then the lack of housing uh, is more and more stressing. So uh, what I think we miss now as a public production system, say, okay, the private production system doesn't want to build, we will build. So it's not important if it's cheap. It's a good news if it, it's good news if, it, if it's cheap. And uh, because we miss this public uh, construction system, we are dependent, and even all the construction system and all the jobs that are linked to the construction system are depending on the uh, high profits from the real estate sector. So up to now, we are still too dependent, and we are too shy to go too far because we think there will be problem on the uh, construction sector, and we will lose job, and we will. Uh, still underline the, the, the lack of um, affordable dwellings. So uh, we have a lot of tools, legal tools, but we are always too shy to use them because we are afraid of the consequences. It's interesting because the, the construction industry is a major player in the game. And of course, they have extremely high profits on their investments. They, they really have a huge return on their investments and i can see over here from sweden where we have some really big global companies operating skanska ncc and others if the prices go down they don't build so then they stop building even if there is a huge need for for homes so there is like a blackmail situation they're so strong so they can actually stop so the only ones who can build are then the cities but then, as we know, the cities are poorer than before. So this is like, it's a, they are like hijacking the agenda. But it's cool to hear that you have tools in the toolbox. And, and I think we also have in front the chance in France and more over in Europe to have public banks. So we, we are also not dependent on city banks. Uh, so even the cities have the uh, ability uh, to build more uh, on their own. And here I live in an area that was uh, built in the uh, early 20th century. And I think it was created by public mortgage to uh, upgrade the living condition of the working class. So we, we can still do that. And perhaps we are not worse 
as public bodies and uh, we have to be braver and to build on our own and to um, uh, build commons and we could consider the, the the soil but also the bricks as commons it is cool i remember um in push saskia assassin saying that she felt it was necessary to deploy the law to make change and to change this over financialization of housing and i love mark that you're seeing the capacity of cities to be a little bolder to use the law and other tools that you have to make change yourself and to bring things back to the public and the commons that i think is i think as much as the pandemic has been horrible in so many ways i do think it gives this there's a tiny moment where things can go back or become more public again. I think everyone's recognizing that now. There's a real role for all levels of government to play that we can't just leave it to neoliberalism and market forces. Clearly, governments have to act to save lives and now we see to make better housing. So I'm I'm interested to watch you, Mark, as you try to do this you're going to do this right in your own city uh hopefully hopefully uh we don't, we don't have a lot of resistance to be honest so it's not very brave because i think as you said there is a, a tiny momentum i think the most promising issue in france it's funny it's community interests when we came 10 years ago trying to import this concept from uh, the us the uk and belgium uh we were considered as really uh Leninists, you want to, to, to collectivize the, the land and something very uh, unacceptable. And now, in two, in two or three years, there were more than 200 uh, community land trusts that were made by cities, including uh, right-wing cities and so on. Just say, okay, the soil can't be part of this speculative bubble. It's, it's terrible for the whole social functioning so uh it's funny to consider that such a radical tool is now the most trendy tool in france and then that you are we are producing we have only in my city three community land trust and the area of lyon is planning to produce a minimum of thousand dwelling a year and uh through community land trust by collectivizing land and creating an anti-speculative ownership. So it's fun that it is as shared because it went too far. So now even the most mainstream politicians are convinced that it went too far and we must save the soil and part of the buildings from speculation. Wow, vive la France and, and long live the, the land trusts. I mean, last in last episode, we talked to... Uh, Ariadna, the amazing advocate in Puerto Rico, and she talked about the land trust there as a part of the solution where people could defend their homes. And this is like, I get goosebumps, you know, it's like Leilani. Did you, did you know about this? I certainly didn't know about it in France, no. And uh, is, it, is it forever? Like it will, in perpetuity, they say, forever it will be a land trust? Yes, exactly. So the land is divided from the building and the land belongs forever to uh, sort of uh, the city or sort of tools we call here Office Foncier Solidaire, the trust. And then people, households can buy 
the building, half price, let's say, it depends, but quite half price, and with tax relief and so on, and uh, they will be able to sell it, but only the price they bought it. Amazing. Wow, that's really bad for Blackstone and others because they don't like that kind of business, I tell you. They want five times their money in a year. You know, that's that's how they roll. My 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 hope is that it will put a pressure down on, on the market saying to households, you can buy cheaper, you can buy half cheaper. And uh, slowly, all the households, even my friends, are calling me now. Uh, they were not aware of that at all. And they are calling me, Explain me how it works and uh, how can I have how can I buy half the price? And now it's a it's a sort of gossip circulating in the society. How can I buy half the price? And then uh, it becomes more complex to sell uh, everything the high price. That's cool, Leilani. We kind of learn something every time we do a podcast. And you can also go back to the Puerto Rico episode we did. Whereas that's also about the land trust in Puerto Rico. And I know this is also shooting up around the US and other countries. So it, it is something really interesting. And it's forbidden. It's forbidden for investors. You have to live in the dwelling you own. So, and you have to be under a certain uh, level of uh, resources of income. So it's for the middle class. It's not, we are not paying wages for the rich. It's because there are tax relief, so it's for the middle class, and you have to live in. So it's not for investors, which is cool. So the idea is to um, rob demanders from the market, to, to put them on a separated market. That's a real, this is a pushback. This is we the try, real we pushback. We start, we start. Wow, this is good news. It's good, it's good. Because we talk so much about how these powerful are just grabbing and eating and grobbling and, and but this is a pushback. Yes, we try, we try to, 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 how do you say, to drown the, the, the mine economy that Saskia Sassen uh, stresses out in your movie. That's right. The mining extractive industry, yes, 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 yes. We are disruption. Yeah. The financial industry, yeah. And let's talk about Airbnb and the second, you know, because there is some really tough legislations coming down. It's been up in a big court in a superior court in France. Is this only in Paris? No, it's it's in different cities. It's only in, in some touristic cities. It depends on cities and not uh, on. The legislation allows. You can only rent out a home for 120 days a year. That's four months. As Airbnb, you can only do it for 120 days and then you get fined. If you have a second home that you want to use for Airbnb, you actually have to register it and it becomes a new kind of taxed business. And you then have to purchase a a commercial property that you flip and change and redevelop into housing. It's totally radical. I've never heard of such a thing. And when th this happened recently, Mark, this... It, it was uh, gradually, it was starting from uh, joint work between uh, Leilani's friends in Fianza and the uh, mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, mayor of Barcelona, Ada Colau, and mayor of Paris, uh, Anne Hidalgo. And they worked together on what, what is the proper strategy. So uh, it went more and more. 
and uh, also Airbnb went everywhere. So it was not only uh, Côte d'Azur and Paris issue. So more and more people were convinced. And uh, what is fun is also the hotel industry, very strong in France, who was very upset after Airbnb. So there was sort of joint pressure from right and left uh, on the government that led to uh, this legislation. And um, the problem with this legislation was uh, how do you control that? And now we are create sort of a housing police in Paris and in Lyon first. Uh, we have uh, housing police on uh, housing quality, uh, Airbnb, is it more than 120 days and so on. So now we have the police system also to control and rent regulation as well. So the, the, the level of rents. So now we have this uh, very new housing police uh, that we, it, it's too new to have um, feedback, but uh, hopefully uh, it will be useful also to, to, to control people. And we also have, um, let's say, discussion with Airbnb on uh, discrimination and uh, try to put pressure by every means, say, okay, find another country. I have to say, vive la France. Merci. It's, 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 we, 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 as always in France, we have good ideas. It's in the implementation that we will have to see because sometimes we have very good ideas and we end not very far from others. So uh, we have not to pretend too much. And it's, uh, you say, it's uh, on the barbecue you see the sausage. <laughs> That's that's true. That's true. The point. Yeah, and and you love barbecue in in, <laughs> in Lyon. I know that. I have to say, Frederick, I am a, I'm a little worried for our listeners that we have painted too rosy a picture of uh, France, that's Vive true. la France, because we know there are some really serious issues, and I love pushback talks because we are being solution oriented and looking for the positive in all of the muck. But we do know there's a big problem with homelessness, refugees and migrants, social housing waiting lists, um, big problems. But I do love that there are some cool things cooking and happening. And there is a housing police. Now, I, I was just going to add to the other thing. I mean, of course, I was visiting a friend, the composer of the music that you will hear in the end, Florencia de Concilio. She lived in, in Montreuil. And with, in her family, with a, in a very small apartment, and they, there was an, a house across the street that stood empty. But the, the landlord just rented it out to Airbnb 120 days per year, and then the rest, it stood empty. So it was like eight months empty. In Barcelona, they, will, they will, would not accept that. Yes, I think, I think we have, we have a, a large room of improvement. We, um, as Leilani said, uh, with migrants, there are too many people who have uh, restricted rights to advances, to, to housing and so on. We have uh, terrible uh, mental health policies. So people who are disabled have um, really uh, are discriminated. There are very uh, few dwellings adapted to handicap. Too many dwellings also that are stuck in very uh, soft areas that are quite abundant with services, with uh, public transportation and so on. Uh, sometimes it's too much. And sometimes we are not um, very enthusiastic about our situation perspective. So legally, it's quite okay. We have some uh, good new tools, but the big picture is still 
complicated and we are not very humble in France. It's not our reputation. It's, and our reputation is not full, fully untrue. And uh, we have difficulties to learn from our own failure or from others' success. So I, I think um, for the most vulnerable in, uh, in our context, things will be difficult. So I think there is a new, we have a price crisis for 20 years now. And for the first time, we have new tools, Covington Trust, Swan, Airbnb, Strategy, Housing Police. So it's good news because it's new after 20 years. But now for the most vulnerable people and uh, people, yes, as I said, migrants, handicapped, youth, and so on, it's terrible. Half of the European countries have a minimum income from 18 years old. In France, it's from 25 years old. You have nothing, no protection between 18 and 25. So we have many youth that are, many young people who are abandoned. So we still have a big holes in our protection system. And this, this is, I mean, I've seen this in, I mean, I remember when I was in Paris before I went to show Push, I passed through Paris and I saw young, young boys sleeping in the street, not drugs, anything. They were just probably just working, looking for jobs or so on, sleeping in the streets. And I remember when, he, when you and I was in Lyon, we walked through these walkways close to the river and we saw there was a lot of tents of people sleeping. It was like, uh, and outside some of the tents, we could also say, see children's shoes. Remember that, Leilani? Yeah. Yes, I do remember. I do remember. And when I was there, I visited some places where migrants and refugees were living, like in office buildings that they occupied, some of the really harshest conditions, um, some people living in motels, but for a very long time. One woman I met lived in a motel with no window in her room, and the her room was right by a bath, a public bathroom, and so some very very harsh conditions. Uh, Le Fondation Abbe Pierre, where Mark used to work, um, an organization that deals a lot with housing, um, recently said that the combination of the pandemic and the social crisis around housing is like a ticking time bomb. So they're very concerned that, that though you've got these great tools, they need to be deployed quickly before the the bomb goes off. And perhaps, and even we have arguments with Fondation Abipia because sometimes I'm more radical than them, my former colleagues, <laughs> but I love them. And uh, I think we should have just uh, council rents and support landlords that have difficulties because of that. Because I think most of landlords would have, wouldn't have uh, difficulties. And everybody did an effort. Children uh, had to give up school. Workers had uh, to, to do efforts. Everybody had to do efforts during the pandemic, except landlords. Why are they the only ones who don't do an effort? I think we can also be more creative and be more offensive in such context because we have to share the wealth in a complex period of time and I think landlords should also uh, do their part. Dear listeners of Pushback Talks, uh, you have now listened to Mark Yuri from the, he's like the councillor of the in the cabinet of the city of Villeurbanne, but he's of course a leading housing activist in France. He's a strong voice and now he has to show 
that he's he can do the job that he's been criticizing. That's we're going to follow up on you. Don't we? We're not keep on the eyes on you. I'm delighted, Leilani. How do we fund this show? How do we fund it? Where do we get the money from? We need our Patreons. We don't get any money. We have no money, but we have a few Patreons. But we need more so that we can keep producing the show and drinking wine. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's the thing. I mean, if you, if you see supporting the show as just giving Leilani a glass of wine, you know, because she's nice, and me maybe two glasses of wine. No, sorry, but I mean, so you can just... If you just chip in like five dollars a month or something, we, you will also be part of our family. That extended family is growing, and Mark, you can tell your friends to support Pushback Talks. I, I mean, everybody could do that, and you and you can also support our show by retweeting and telling your friends about it so we can grow. It's the cool thing, Mark, is that we have listeners in one hundred and eleven countries. But as we know, the UN has more than up to 198. So um, we can still we can st still do better, I think. More countries, but more listeners. It's cool. But now, uh, I really want to go back and to meet you, Mark. I, I, I was rushing by when I came to Lyon. I was flying from Moscow to Lyon to Sheffield to Bologna, touring with Push. So I didn't have time to stay a lot. But next time I will... I will ask you to buy me a glass of wine. Yes, yes, <laughs> it's, 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 it's doable here. Yeah. <laughs> we, we have cheap and good wine. You should come more often. It was cool last time you came. Both, both mm -hmm. of you. And all your listeners are warmly welcome in Lyon to face the big finance and struggle for right to housing. Yeah, and to and to check out the housing police and the land trust. Yes, yes, That's cool. they will be happy. We have a housing brigade. They will be happy to welcome That's you. That's cool. Thank you very much, Leilani. Have a good day over there in Canada. Mark, enjoy your day in France. And I'm going to, yes, I put some sunshine out here today. So it, it can be good. See you soon. Um, Thanks, Frederick. Bonjour. Thanks, Mark. A bientôt. A bientôt. Goodbye. A bientôt. Ciao, ciao. Ciao. Pushback Talks is produced by WG Film. To watch Push, visit pushthefilm.com. You can also support us by becoming a Patreon at patreon.com slash pushbacktalks. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you again next week.